Okay, hello ladies. Welcome once again to our Bible study sessions. Um, today we want to welcome our podcast listeners. Our podcast is um, titled Spiritual Conversation with Minister Mercy. That's where we upload our Bible study sessions. And you can get the podcast on um, Spotify and other channels as well. So you are all welcome. Today is our 12th session, 12th session, and we are still on John's um, gospel. We will be looking at um, um, John chapter 9 from, uh, we'll be picking several verses to read and and then expand on as well. So the title of um, today's um, Bible study is called Spiritual Blindness, Spiritual Blindness. So if you can Open your scripture in John chapter 9. Okay, John chapter 9, and I will read from verse 1 to 5, which says, Now, as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So this, um, this um, verse we have just read, although Jesus healed a man who was physically blind, however, we know everything Jesus did and is written in the Bible is a parable that is pointing to the spiritual condition of man, the spiritual condition of man. So when Jesus' disciples asked him, saying, you know, who sinned, this man or his parents, you know, that was why the man was born blind. We, we, know, we know the reason they asked this question. We know sin brings a curse because that's what the Bible said to us. Okay, sin brings a curse in a person's life. And the consequences of that curse is sickness and disease. And these things can be passed on to the next generation, just like what the scripture says to the you know, first and third, uh, fourth generation. This was the reason they asked Jesus that question. Jesus answered, you know, them saying, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. So the answer Jesus gave to his disciples to their question was neither this man nor his parents sinned. This man was born with this condition because God, his creator, knew that one day in the future that this man is going to, you know, through this man, he's going to demonstrate his loving kindness to man. Okay. So sometimes when things happen to you in your life, it's not because that you have sinned or it's not because that your parents have sinned. It could be because God has singled you out and he knew 
that with this condition, when it comes and touches your life, that there will be a testimony from that. People will see his power through his actions on the condition you're in. So, you know, it, it, is, um, it is a humbling thing to know that sometimes God singles us out for a miracle. He singles us out for a miracle. So it's not every condition or every situation that you're going through in life is due to sin or disobedience to God. As Jesus has said now, the man did not sin. His parents did not sin. He, has, he was born like this because God singled him out and said, through you, my son, I'm coming to demonstrate my power. I'm coming to demonstrate my loving kindness to mankind. I'm coming to open the blind eyes, not just the physical blind eyes, but also the spiritual blind eyes. Okay. So by healing this man um, of his physical blindness, Jesus is saying to us, it is not only physical blindness that man suffers from, okay? Mankind also suffers from spiritual blindness. Spiritual blindness, which is the worst kind of blindness. God has sent him, God sent Jesus in this world to remove the spiritual scales over man's spiritual eyes, okay? You know, um, as my sisters, you know, we've been studying the, um, the three components of man. We have looked at the spirit, the soul, and the physical body. And all these three components of man have eyes. They have eyes, okay? We have the eyes of the spirit, we have the eyes of the soul, and we have the eyes of the physical. But all these three eyes have to be opened for us to be able to relate to our heavenly father. It is not just physical eyes, physical blindness that affects man. Spiritual blindness also affects man, okay? So, you know, Jesus was sent to this world to remove the scales over man's spiritual eyes. As long as he is still in this world, this is what Jesus says, as long as he is still in this world, he will continue to work the work God has sent him to do, okay? And what work is that? Is to remove the blindness that is in man's soul, not just the physical but most pertinently, the soul. The soul is blind due to sin, okay? He is the light of the world that gives us our daylight. Night will come when his light has been removed from this world. Light represents spiritual enlightenment, okay? Jesus came to give us spiritual enlightenment. And night represents spiritual darkness. It represents spiritual darkness. In um, in verses six to seven, Jesus demonstrated to us the actions that will be required for man to be healed of this spiritual blindness. God has his part to play. God has his part to play. And man also has his own part to play. Okay. For man's spiritual scales to fall off his spiritual eyes, obedience to God's words is necessary. It is very essential. You see how, you know, Let's, let's have read that verses again, verse 6 to 7. Verse 6 to 7 says, And when he had said these things, he spat on the ground and made clay with the saliva, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man and with the clay. And he said to him, 
go wash in the pool of Salem, which also meant, which translates to scent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. He went and he came back seeing. So this man heard the word of God. He heard the word Jesus said, you know, he obeyed and went. So he did his part. He obeyed and went. And as he went, I believe that is when faith truly rose in his heart. Because if the man didn't obey Jesus and stood where he was and stood there wondering, how is uh, clay in my eyes going to heal my eyes? <laughs> okay. So that is unbelief. So for anything that God is doing in our life, we need faith. So this man needed faith to come into his heart before he can get his healing. So that's why I'm saying that we have our part to play and God has his part to play. God will give us the word and we need to obey the word because it's as we obey the word that then would then faith will then come because faith is what connects us with the action. Faith is what releases the anointing. Without faith, the anointing for healing will not be released and that people will not get healed. Okay, like we, we see several times in the scriptures where, for example, the centurion that came to Jesus to ask him to heal his servants that was at home. He came and begged Jesus to come to his house to heal his servant. All Jesus, you know, as Jesus was going, he said, no, just say the words. Just say the word and my servant will be healed. And what did Jesus say to him? Jesus said, I've never seen a faith like this in Israel. Jesus said the word, the man went home. And as he was going home, he met his servants on the way. And they said, oh, your servant is fully healed now. And he said, when did he got his healing? And he realized it was that exact time when Jesus said, go, your servant is healed. And he went. Because if he did not go, take that step to go back, the faith would not have arisen and the anointing would not have been released. Okay, when Jesus speaks his words, angels that carry the anointing go and do what he has said through his words. That's one thing we need to understand. It is the angels of the Lord that carry the anointing for healing. But what they obey, they obey the word of God. They obey the word of God. This is why the Lord always says, my word, it is spirit and it is life. Because his word carries his spirit. It is his spirit that obey, you know, that brings about what that word is carrying, his angels, what that word is carrying. So this man obeyed and went. As he went, faith arose in his heart and he received his healing. Okay. I believe he received his healing before he washed the clay off his eyes. Jesus, you know, J Jesus can easily have healed that man's eyes by just touching him, but he didn't touch him because he wanted the man to also believe that he can heal him, okay? So that's why he gave, me, gave him that command and he obeyed it. And as he obeyed it, he received his healing. But Jesus' aim was not to heal the man's physical eyes, but also to heal his spiritual eyes because you need faith for your spiritual blindness to be also healed, okay? So if Jesus had just healed uh, the physical blindness alone, the man will not have had the faith to also believe who has healed him. He will not. Because in those days, what we seem to, you know, 
fail to realize in the Bible. In those days, there were a lot of musicians, magicians, the Assyrians, that's what they're called. They can also perform miracles. They also perform healings. They also perform all sorts of things. This was why the, you know, the, the Pharisees refused to acknowledge who Jesus is because they've seen these things. Other musicians from Egypt and all this demonstrating these things. Okay. So faith had to arise from the man's spirit for both of his healing to take place, both the physical and the spiritual healing to take place. Okay. So you might then ask, how do we know that this man's spiritual eyes were also opened? We can discern this from the answers he gave the Pharisees. Like in verse 24, I'll read it. It says, so they again called the man who was blind and said to him, give God the glory. We know that this man is a sinner. And verse 25 says, he, the man answered them. He, uh, he answered and said, whether he is a sinner or not, I do not know. One thing I know that though I was blind, now I see. Now I see. And again, in verse 29, we, you know, he says, we know that God spoke to Moses. As for this fellow, we do not know where he's from. This is what the Pharisees are saying. In verse 30, the man then, the man answered and said to them, why, this is a marvelous thing, that you do not know where he is from, yet he has opened my eyes. And then verse 31, now we know that God, you know, now we know, this is the man continued. He said, now we know that God does not hear sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and he does his will, he hears him. He hears him, you know, and then he continues in verse 32. Since the world began, it has been unheard of that anyone opened the eyes of one who was born blind. Verse 33. If this man were not from God, he would not, you know, he could not do nothing that he could do nothing. If this man was not from God, he could do nothing. This was the testimony of this man about Jesus. This was the testimony. Now you could see that it wasn't just spiritual and uh, physical blindness that Jesus healed. Jesus also healed his uh, spiritual blindness, his spiritual blindness. For him to give this testimony about Jesus, that means that he believed, he believed that Jesus was the son of God. So this was his testimony of this man about Jesus. But the Pharisees did not accept his testimony. And this is how they responded to him. In verse 34, they answered and said to him, you were completely born in sin and you are teaching us. And, and, and they cast him out. They cast him out of the temple. And you remember in some of in the verses there, when they went and called his parents to, uh, to confirm that this was their son, the parents said, yes, it's our son. We know that he was born blind but we don't know who healed him, okay? So the parents said to, to the Pharisees, why don't you ask him? Because the, the Pharisees in those days, they, they, they threatened the people that if they heard any person come, you know, uh, affirming Jesus as the Messiah, they will cast them out of the temple. And you know, the temple in those days was the center, was the, you know, the center of the Jewish life. 
if you're cast out of the temple, it's as if God has cast you out. So this is why the people were very, very wary, very afraid of the Pharisees because they, they, you know, they had a lot of power. They had a lot of power in those days. You know, so we'll continue. Jesus heard that the Pharisees did not accept this man's testimony of him. So when Jesus saw him again, he said to him, do you believe in the son of God? Verse 36, the man answered, he, he answered and said, who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? And Jesus said to him, you have both seen him and it is he who is talking with you. It is he who is talking with you. Then he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. He worshipped him. So Jesus didn't just heal a physical affliction. He also healed a spiritual affliction in this man, in this man. And in verse 39, Jesus said, for judgment I have come into this world that those who do not see may see and that those who see may be made blind. So Jesus is saying, those who humbly acknowledge that they are sinners and as a result are spiritually blind. They acknowledge their blindness. They acknowledge their sin. He's saying he will remove their spiritual blindness by forgiving their sin. By forgiving their sin. And then in verse, um, in verse 40, tells us, then some of the Pharisees who were with him heard these words and said to him, are we blind also? And this is what Jesus said to them. Verse 41, Jesus said to them, if you were blind, you would have no sin. But now you say, we see, therefore your sin remains. So what does he mean by that? As we said, you know, if you acknowledge your sin, because sin brings spiritual blindness. The Pharisees did not believe that they were sinners. They thought because of Moses' law that they're following, which they weren't following, they were following traditions of men, that they, are right, that they were righteous. So therefore, they're not blind. They're not spiritually blind. And then Jesus is saying to them, if you say that you're seeing, you know, therefore you still have your sin in you. Therefore, you're blind. You're spiritually blind. Although you don't see yourself as being spiritually blind. You see yourself as being righteous. Self-righteousness. Self-righteousness is not of God. Okay? So more or less what Jesus said to these Pharisees and also saying to us, when you acknowledge that you are a sinner and humbly ask for forgiveness, I will forgive you your sins and your spiritual eyes will be opened. However, if you continue to deny your sins, your sin will not be forgiven and your spiritual blindness will remain. That's what we're saying. Okay. So the same words Jesus said to the Pharisees 2000 years ago is the same words he is also saying to us today. So the question is, what is spiritual blindness or spiritual darkness? These are two questions we're going to answer. And the next question, that is one question. Then the next question is, no, uh, the next question is, what, what does the word of God say we have to do to be healed of this affliction? 
what does the word of God say we have to do to be healed of this affliction? Okay, so the first question we will answer is what is spiritual blindness? What is spiritual blindness? Let's have a look at the book of Romans. The book of Romans chapter one. Okay, the book of Romans chapter one, which says, Apostle Paul stated, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. So what the scripture is telling us is if you want to know God and have your sins forgiven, you need to believe the gospel message of Jesus Christ. That is where the power of salvation lies. That is where the power to remove our spiritual blindness lies. So this is open to all people, not just the Jews. It's open to all people. And this is what um, um, Apostle Paul is saying to us. It's for the Jew first, because salvation came from the Jews. And then from the Jews, it came to the Gentiles. And then, you know, the Gentiles is all the people that are not born Jewish you know, includes whichever tribe, nation, whatever you are, you are all included in the Greek. That's the Gentiles. So this is the only power that God has made available to man to remove our spiritual blindness. Okay. So we can then say those who are spiritually blind, they hear the truth in the gospel message of Jesus Christ but they cannot see what it means. They cannot see the big picture of salvation in the message of the gospel. And they are unable to see how it applies in their own life. How it applies in, a, in their own life. Don't forget what we're trying to do here is define spiritual blindness, okay? So they have trouble confessing the truth because they have difficulties Believing what they cannot see. What they cannot see, okay, with their physical eyes. With their physical eyes. So people who are spiritually blind are people who are led by the senses, by their physical senses, you know. So they re they, what they do, they react to the things their physical senses transmits into their mind. And you know your mind is where your soul is, and your soul contains your reasoning faculty, your intellect, your emotions, and your free will. So all these areas of your soul is controlled by your physical senses. And your spiritual eyes is closed. You have no light in the spirit. That is what spiritual blindness is, okay? So their spirit is in darkness because their soul, which is their mind, their reasoning faculty, their intellect, their free will, and their emotions is governed by their physical senses. And what these uh, senses perceive from the outside world, from the outside world, they cannot see the light of the truth in the word of God. They cannot see it. Although they may read and hear the word of God, they may read it, you know, with their eyes, they're reading the scriptures. It enters through there. If, if they're in, in church, they will hear it. And if they pick up the Bible to read, they will look at the words with their eyes. 
you know, what they're, what they're hearing in church, it will go through their ears, travel to their soul, but it doesn't register. It doesn't register. They cannot make head or tail out of what the pastors are preaching. So this is why it is very important to preach the real gospel. Because when pastors are just telling stories in the churches, all they're doing is just increasing the darkness in the people's soul. That's what they're doing, increasing the darkness. Because the, 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 the spirit of God in the word would not be released to release the anointing and the you know, conviction to convict the people's heart. Okay. So if, they, 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 if, if what they're hearing in the churches and what they're reading in, in their scriptures, they're not, it's not registering in their mind. They cannot sense, they cannot see the light. Okay. And plus the fact that their heart is hardened because of sin. The heart is hardened because of sin. So let's read um, what Apostle Paul said again in the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 4. Let's have a look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17 to 18. Verse 17 to 18, and I'll read it. It says, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you should no longer walk as, as the rest of the Gentiles walk, in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, because of the blindness of their heart. One is ignorance. How do you, how do you get knowledge? You get knowledge through your reasoning faculties, through your intellectual uh, faculties. So if you don't have knowledge of the scriptures, if you do not understand the scriptures, therefore you're ignorant of God's word. And if you're ignorant of God's words and you cannot reason out, because first of all, before you can understand the scriptures, you need to meditate on it in, the, in, in your mind. The Holy Spirit will start working, dissecting it. That's why meditation is very important. Because as you are meditating, you are dissecting the word. And as you are dissecting the word, the Holy Spirit is doing his own work. And his own work is to soften your heart. So what you have understood in your reasoning faculties can then be transmitted into your heart. Okay. So, but if you're in the first stage of uh, reasoning, that is in your mind. You don't get it in your mind. You will not get it in your heart. You need to, first of all, get it in your mind, which is part of your soul, before you can then get it in your heart, which is your spirit. So what Paul is saying here then is, first of all, the people are ignorant. They don't know the word of God. And not just being ignorant, they're also their heart is darkened because of sin. Okay, because of sin. So the gospel message of Jesus you know, how many years now? It's almost 2,000 years. 2,000 years that the message of Jesus Christ has gone forth to the nations for 2,000 years. No, yet people still remain spiritually blind. People still remain spiritually blind. 
Let's uh, let's read Second Corinthians chapter four. Let's read Second Corinthians, Second Corinthians chapter four, uh, verse three to four, and I'll read it. It says, "But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, least the light." of the gospel, of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God to shine on them, okay? So what the scripture is telling us is that Satan, it is Satan that keeps, you know, that keeps people's mind blocked off from receiving the gospel message of Jesus. It is the, it is the, it is the God of this world that blinds their mind that blinds their mind with strongholds. Strongholds is when you believe something that is not true. Maybe half true and half, you know, it's not fully the truth. Because if you do not have the full truth, the light that is in the word that is true will not be released to shine on your mind. Therefore, you are still spiritually ignorant. Okay. So it is Satan that's preventing and working against the, you know, the spiritual blindness of people from being lifted and healed. It is Satan. It is Satan. Okay, so now let's answer the second question, which is, what does the word of God say we have to do to be healed of this affliction? What does the word of God say? First of all, in, uh, in John chapter 3, verse 3, Jesus said, that we need to be born again. We need to be born again. So what, 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 is, what is to be born? That's, that's the thing. What is to be born? I, I believe the, the being born again is the awakening of your spirit that is in darkness. Awakening of your spirit that is in darkness. And how is the spirit awakened? The spirit is awakened by hearing the word. Okay. So let's have a look at Romans chapter 10, verse 9 to 10. And I'll read it. It tells us that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Confession is made unto salvation. So first of all, we need to hear the word. We need to hear the word. Romans chapter 10 verse 17 tells us that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Okay. It's the word of God that has the power to salvation. Sometimes... I don't think it's just sometimes. I think majority of the time. Our churches don't preach the real word of God. Okay. They will take a scripture and then they will make a story out of it. The Lord have said to me that unless his gospel is preached, the Holy Spirit will not work on the word to release the power to convict people of their sins. Okay, so what removes the, 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 the darkness 
the spiritual blindness from our soul is when the pure word of God is preached without compromise. People need to hear the word of God. And what does the word of God preach? What is the, in short, what is the gospel message? The gospel message in a nutshell is Jesus Christ crucified and hellfire. That's it. You need to talk about the, the, the sins of people. You need to talk about why Jesus had to come and die for them. That is what this gospel is. Good news. Good news that you are no longer in darkness. Good news that Jesus has come and removed that bridge that separated you from your father, God. If people don't hear this, you say if every Sunday they go to church, what they're hearing is how God is going to bless you, how God is going to increase you, how God is going to do this, how God is going to do that. Eh? People will come with burdens, they will come with stresses, they come with, come with uh, you know, their, their heart is full of unforgiveness and resentment and all sorts of things. This is when, when you preach the word, the real word, this is what convicts them to forgive people they're bearing grudges against. But if, they, if they're coming to church and all they're hearing is, bless me, bless me, bless me, they'll go back with their burden. They'll go back with their diseases. Okay? Because if you don't preach the word, the anointing to heal the people, to convict the people of their sin, will not be released. The spirit in the word and the life in the word, the life of God in the word will not be released. And we'll continue to be calling ourselves Christians. Every Sunday we'll carry our Bible and we we'll go to church. Nothing changes. Christianity is a transformational relationship with God. If you're not transformed and changed, if your attitude, your behavior, your way of thinking is not changed, then you're wasting your time calling yourself a Christian because you're not. You're not. Okay, right. That's the third point. We need to hear the word. And then the fourth point, Romans chapter 10, verse 13 he says, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So let's read from Romans chapter um, 10, Romans chapter 10 from verse 13. It says, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things, of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. By the word of God. Okay. The reason a lot of people don't have faith is because they're not hearing the uncompromising word of God. This is why a lot of people don't have faith. Okay, because you need to have faith to truly change. Because it's your faith that what your faith is saying to God is that I trust you. I trust you. Okay, that is the first step. Faith. You cannot, you know, you, you, you cannot say 
that you trust God and you still work, you know, you're walking in doubt. And what did James say to us? That a double-minded person will not receive anything from God. What it means, you don't know where you stand. You don't know, you don't trust God. When you have doubts, that means you don't trust God. That's what it is. That's what it is. And you know God is spirit. He sees your heart. No matter what. No matter what you're saying with your lips, he sees your heart. <laughs> so you're not hiding anything from him. He sees when you believe and when you don't believe. <laughs> but he's so merciful. But the thing is, if the real gospel is truly preached, people will get saved right, left, and center. You know, people will get to know God. They will love him. They will love him. And their life will be transformed. It's because the real gospel is not being preached. That's the reason. That's the reason people remain in spiritual blindness. Okay. So the next point, right, we have said that you need to hear the word. You need to uh, be born again. And you need to confess with your mouth what you believe in your heart. But first of all, before you can believe, you need to have faith. Faith is believing. And how does faith come? Faith comes by hearing the uncompromising word of God. That is how faith comes. So the, ne the next one, number five, remember we're going through the points, what the Bible has said to us, that is how we, we can get our healing from spiritual blindness. This is what we're going through. So number five point is uh, we need to be doers of the word. We need to be doers of the word. James chapter 2 verse 17 says, Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, it is dead. It is a dead faith. So we need to put what we hear into practice. We need to put what we hear into practice. How do we do that? Okay, right. For example, now, if you go to church, your pastor is preaching about unforgiveness and you know there's somebody have offended you and you have not forgiven them of that offense. What do you do? You repent. You ask God, please give me the will to forgive this person. You forgive that person. That's what it means by putting the word in action. Okay. Because faith and action go hands in hand. Because if you just say, oh, I have faith. But when you come to put your faith in action, you don't act on that thing that you say you have faith in. Then you don't really have faith. Therefore, the word will not work for you. It will not work for you. So you need to act on the word. You need to act on the word. By acting on the word, that is where the power is then released for you to receive what you're having faith in. Okay. So number six is we need to submit to God. We need to submit to the spirit of God. We need to submit. So what does it mean to submit to the spirit of God? What does it mean? Okay. So, you know, when you, when you become born again, the spirit of God is now residing in your own spirit, in your own human spirit. Okay. But your soul, you know, as we said before, your soul is your reasoning faculty, is your intellect, 
is your free will and it's your emotions. So these aspects of you have to come under the control of the spirit of God that is in your spirit. Okay. If you have not submitted to the spirit of God, what it means is your soul is still reacting to your senses. It's still focused on the stimulants it's getting from the world. That means the lust of the eyes is still controlling your soul. But if you submit to the spirit of God, all these areas come under the lordship of Jesus Christ. He is the one that you listen to. It's no longer your will. It is the will of God that you do in your life. Okay. It is no longer your uh, carnal emotions that will be driving you to be the spirit of God will give you guidance. This is what Paul meant by being led by the spirit. This is what it means to submit to God. Okay. So when you have submitted to God and the enemy comes with his uh, uh, temptations, because you're, you, you, you no longer, um, you, you, uh, your, your senses are no longer controlling you. You'll be able to resist that temptation. But if you haven't fully submitted to the spirit of God, the enemy will come with his temptation and your flesh will react. Your flesh will, 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 will jump in. <laughs> will jump in. <laughs> I'm just going to tell you a story. <laughs> There's one man, I think I met on a bus or something, and I was trying to evangelize and share the gospel with him. I was giving him a tract. And when he saw the tract. I said, no, 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 no. I don't want Jesus. I don't want Jesus. I like my temptation. When it comes, I like to get it. <laughs> so this man is being ruled by his flesh. He doesn't want anything to do with Jesus. He doesn't want Jesus telling him that thing you're doing is wrong. No. <laughs> so he said he likes to be tempted, that he enjoys being his temptation when he comes. I said, okay. So I put my track back in my pocket. <laughs> Oh dear. Okay. So we need to submit to God. We need to submit to the spirit of God that is already in our newborn again spirit. And the issue now is how do we get, how do we submit to God? As I said, is by, you, you need to purposefully, willfully say, right, I am going to do what the Bible says I should do. I am going to do what the word of God says I should do. Okay. Because God, God will not, God will not um, force you to submit to him. It's you yourself, because he has given you a free will. It's you yourself have to make up your mind and make the choice. Okay? You have to make the choice and say, right, I'm going to do what is right. I am going to do what God has told me to do. I am going to do what the scriptures tells me to do, no matter how hard it is. That is how you submit. And when you have submitted to the Holy Spirit, no matter what the devil throws at you, you will be able to resist it because your flesh is no longer, you know, hasn't got anything in common with the world anymore. You are now spiritual. You are now spiritual. And once your soul is spiritual, the next element that will be spiritual is your body. Is your body. And the spirituality of the body is what then drives away sickness and disease and death. Because it is sin that brings death 
and sickness and disease. Because that's the curse God placed on the soul that sin. The soul that sin will die. So when you sin, the spirit of death comes. And what is the work of the spirit of death? Is to work death on your mortal flesh. So if you're no longer being ruled by your senses, you are resisting the devil when it comes. You are not falling into sin. Okay. So death have no, you know, it has no place in your body, in your heart, in your life anymore. Because you're now being ruled by the spirit of God. You are now spiritual, more or less you're now immortal. Okay. You're now immortal. And your spiritual blindness has been healed. Your spiritual blindness has been healed. So the next um, um, point, point seven, we need to be in the word. We need to be in the word. Like in James chapter, uh, not James, uh, John, John chapter 15, verse seven, it says, if you will abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. Okay. It shall be done for you. So what is Jesus saying here? Jesus is saying the same thing like we, like we said in the last point. You need to submit to God. You are submitting to the word of God. So you do what the word of God tells you to do. That is what it means to abide, to stay, to stay in the word and obey the word. That is what it means. Okay. So like, like um, let's have a look at this Psalm, Psalm 119. Verse 130, it says, the entrance of your words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. It gives understanding to the simple. So God's word carries light. And remember, if your soul is in darkness, what you need is God's word to bring light, to bring spiritual enlightenment. Remember, the word of God is spirit and it is life. So when you're reading your word and you're meditating on it, it is removing gradually, 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 it is removing the darkness that is in your soul. So it is gradually bringing God's light and God's life into your darkened mind, into your spiritually blindness. So that is how we get enlightenment. It's only the word of God that will give us enlightenment. Nothing else will. So people who do not read their word and who do not meditate on the scriptures itself, they wouldn't have any spiritual development because their soul will still be in darkness. Their soul will still be in darkness. There'll be nothing in their heart. Their heart will still remain hardened. Because it's the word of God that will soften your heart, the conviction of the Holy Spirit in his word that will convict you of your sinful nature and convict you of the things that have hardened your heart and washes it away. Remember, the scripture tells us that the word of God is like water. It is like water that washes our soul. Okay. So if you're not reading, if you're not reading, allowing the water to get in your soul, you you remain in darkness. You remain in darkness. Okay, number eight point is, first and foremost, we must keep the greatest commandment, which is you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Okay, this is the things 
that helps to heal us from our spiritual darkness. The love of God is very important because every human being that God created, he has a seed of love in their heart. He has a seed. He plants a seed of love, you know, a seed of himself in our heart. That's why no matter, you know, how darkened our world becomes, no matter how difficulties or how uh, messed up we are in our life, there is always a seed of God in our heart. Now it's up to us to cultivate that seed. And how do you cultivate that seed? You cultivate that seed with his word. If you want that seed to grow into a tree and bear fruit, it needs the word. The word is the water. Is the word, you know, the word is the water that, you know, waters the seed of love that is in our heart. And as the seed grows, this is where you will then have the fruit of the spirit. Okay. The fruit of the spirit, kindness, love, gentleness, patience, all this. It is the word that you need to water it. You need to water it. Because without God's love, we cannot love our neighbor. You cannot love our neighbor. This is the reason we need to love God first. When you love God first, is what empowers you to then love your neighbor, even love your enemies. Okay. So the ninth point is prayer. Prayer is what connects us with the spirit of God that is in us. Prayer. You know, a lot of people think that prayer is when you have, when you sit down and then you, you know, you talk to God. When Jesus said you should go to your secret place, <laughs> do you know what the secret place is? The secret place is your heart. That's where you pray. You pray spirit to spirit to your father. Do you know why it's important that people learn how to pray in the spirit? You know, praying in the spirit is not praying in tongues. That's not the one I mean. Praying in the spirit is when you're praying in your heart. Gently, you're speaking to your father in your heart. Do you know when you speak to your father in your heart, the devil cannot hear what you're saying. He cannot hear your conversation with your father. But when you're speaking words, the devil can hear what you two are planning. Okay? Okay? Majority of the time, what the Lord has taught me is when he was um, teaching his disciples, he hardly used words to them. He only used words when there is strangers around. But mostly, they spoke in the spirit. He spoke to them spirit to spirit. Questions they'll ask him in the spirit to answer in the spirit. Because the devil cannot hear you talking to your father in your spirit, but he can hear you when you're talking words. <laughs> this is the reason most of the time when you're praying, he will sabotage your prayer. He will sabotage your prayer. <laughs> oh dear Lord, have mercy. Like now, if you pray in your spirit, if you pray in your heart, gently, your spirit is talking to your father. He knows what you want and you're speaking to him. The devil don't know what he's going to give you. Okay. But when you speak words, he knows what you're going to give you. So be watching out for that answered prayer for them to go and knock it off from before you receive it. <laughs> oh, God is good. Okay. Now prayer, learn to pray in your spirit and then worship in the spirit as well. Fasting 
Fasting is very important, especially if you have a rebellious soul. If you have a soul that will not obey, <laughs> will not obey, like you want to go and pray and your soul will be distracted and you follow the distraction and go. So you need to fast to bring that soul in alignment with the spirit of God. Okay. So, you know, this, this is what the things that will help to remove our spiritual blindness in our soul. And you need to be consistent with it. Consistency is very important. It's not something you do today and tomorrow you will not do. Tomorrow you will not. The next day you will not do. You just do it once every month. No, it will not work like that. If you want your blindness, your blind, you know, the ignorance in your mind to have light, you need to be consistent in the word. You need to have, you know, uh, um, how will I put it? A consistent plan. Even if it means planning, what you, how you study your word, how you read your word, how you pray, what you do, okay? Because if you learn how to pray in your spirit and how to meditate on the word, you'll be talking to God constantly. This is what Paul means by praying ceaselessly. You pray ceaselessly in your spirit, okay? So um, this is what we have for our topic for today, spiritual blindness, okay? So um, that's where we are at. And I hope that, um, you know, these um, sessions will actually help us to really think about our spiritual life and also to put these things in practice. Because it's when you practice them, then, then you will see the fruit of your life. You know, Christianity is not easy. You have to labor as well, you know. You know, it's, I really pity people who think that, Oh, all they need to do is just pray, pray the sinner's prayer and once in a while they go to church and that's it, they're Christians. No, you're not a Christian, okay? You're not a Christian because if you're still walking and living in sin, then, you know, where, where is the spirit of God in you? You have locked him out. You have locked him out. So the aim of our Christianity is to bring our soul in alignment with the spirit of God. Okay, with the spirit of God. That is the aim of Christianity. Amen. Amen. Okay, I'm going to stop the recording now. So thank you, listeners. Thank you for listening. Thank you.